Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. So now we're going to get into conversation time. If you feel safe, find uh, a few people around you. CDC guidelines says three feet apart. Um, and online, we're going to break you out into some Zoom groups, and we're going to have a conversation with one another. Per usual, we'd like to start you off with a light question that is highly interfering with the depths of your intimacy and heart. And so with that, what are you afraid of? Enjoy. Welcome back from your Zoom groups online. Welcome back room from your conversations with other beautiful human beings. In 2019, Gallup did a poll with Americans asking them the questions about what they would most believe in for their future. Two-thirds of Americans said that they would believe in prosperity in the upcoming year for themselves. And yet only a third of Americans believed that they would find peace. That we live in a society that believes externally we might find prosperity, externally we might find more hope, but the vast majority of us don't believe that we're actually going to find peace. We might have more stuff. We might have better paying jobs. We might find the home that we want. We believe that the stock market can go up. But the thing that's hardest for us to believe is that we internally could find peace in our lives. And so today what we're going to think about as we continue on these conversations of resurrection, of new life, of hope, of reclaiming some things, is this center of gravity or this big idea of peace being with you. That peace is not this external thing that you go search for. That peace is not something that you can buy. That peace is not a salary that you'll have. Peace is not found somewhere out there. That peace be with you. Peace is within you. The peace that you're looking for is already all in here. That's the search that we're on. This is the healing and the transformation that takes place, that it's about the expansiveness within us, that the word peace in Hebrew is helpful because it means more than just peace, I'm getting what I want, which is kind of what I think of when I think of peace. Any amens there? Thank you for the two of you who are truth tellers. The rest of you, I know better. That within us, we long for this peace, and the Hebrew word is shalom, and it means wholeness. And even bigger than wholeness, it means the joining of opposites. I talked about this on Palm Sunday a few weeks back, which I know that you all know because you were watching it on the live stream and then listened to it twice on podcast. Thank you for that. But this joining of opposites is shalom, that it's a greeting and it's a goodbye, that it's the joining of opposites, that you say shalom to somebody, that when you say hello to them and you say shalom, you're recognizing that you are bringing something to the conversation and that they are bringing something to the conversation. It is the bringing together of those things that brings wholeness in the world and that shalom, that joining of opposites, that expansiveness, that wholeness, that is found within you. So to talk about peace, we got to talk about some things. 
We're going to talk about different journeys as we look at the different gospels. Then we're going to ask some questions. Do we really want prison or do we want peace? And then if we can think about prison or peace, then we can ask ourselves if we are some wounded healers. And if we can think about what it means to be a wounded healer in this world, then we're going to give you a little bit of a dash of Ayanla Van Zant. If you were like, oh, oh, we got some fans in this world. This is like old school Oprah right here, right? Yeah, this is like deep. You were watching her when she was in Chicago before OWN. You're a true believer. All right, then if we can do a little bit of dash of Ayanla Van Zant, then we can talk about both and. And if we can hold both and, then we can talk about being some sent ones. And if we can be some sent ones, then just a little bit of Ruach and a little bit of Namaste for us in this morning. And then it wouldn't be a good Sunday if you didn't get a little bit of Greek. And they all said, thank you so much for lying to you. Afime and Criteo. And then if we can do that, then we can come back to some peace being with us. Follow along with me in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. That Sunday evening, which would be the night or the evening after resurrection, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Only Mary, the apostle to the apostles, and a few of the other women had told Peter, James, and John to come see Jesus, but the other disciples hadn't seen, hadn't experienced the resurrected Jesus yet, and they were terrified about the circumstances that were going on around them, that the external world felt like chaos and they were figuring it out. So they do what human beings do when the world feels like chaos and they lock themselves behind some doors to keep themselves safe. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. I love when Jesus pulls some good ghost moves. Um, For me, I kind of like picture this in my mind, like Miley Cyrus, like wrecking ball, like Jesus just coming through. I don't know how you picture your Jesus, but that's how I picture my resurrected Jesus, right? It's just wrecking ball. I'm here. All right. Enjoy the imagery. Peace be with you, Jesus says. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It gets weird and then it gets weirder. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. A little bit of work to be done there. Last week, as we talked about a resurrection story on Easter, we were looking at the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew is all about change. The Gospel of Matthew is primarily written for a Jewish audience who is trying to understand what it would look like to follow this Jesus the Christ, but they were also Jewish. And so they had to overcome this reality of change, that here's a way of belief and religious system in which we follow Yahweh, but we believe that this Messiah has come and it's going to evolve, pivot, grow our faith, reconstruct it into something new. So the Gospel of Matthew, more than any of the other Gospels, speaks specifically to the Jewish audience to help them get through this process of evolution, of reconstructing a new faith. The Gospel of John that I just read from is a different spiritual path. The Gospel of John is probably the latest of the Gospels that's written, and it was given by the Apostle John in the city of Ephesus. The city of Ephesus, and everyone got excited about Ephesus on a Sunday morning, was this cosmopolitan city with incredible diversity. It was 
big. It sounds very similar to a city that we're in right now. And the people in Ephesus were spiritual people, that they were very open to this idea of the gods or God. And so the gospel of John provides for us less of this Jewish movement of change towards a Messiah, but it's this kind of larger, more philosophical, existential, kind of theological, poetic gospel that's all about the spiritual journey. It's more about that Jesus is God than the humanity of Jesus. Because even the gospel writers are telling us that you just need different versions of the story at different times for your life. If you're into social justice right now, the gospel of Luke is all for you. It's about the marginalized. There's more women in that story that Jesus is constantly speaking against the systems and the powerful and the religious And if you're just like rage against the machine and adolescence, you just want to kind of take out some things, then the gospel of Mark is for you, my friends. But the gospel of John is about the spiritual interior journey and that it's inviting us into this place of peace. It's telling us this kind of more airy, robust story for a place that you might be in life. And what is interesting is it's giving us this kind of larger, more poetic narrative about Jesus and about resurrection. Interestingly enough, in the Gospel of John, it doesn't talk about Jesus' suffering in the same way, right? Or really hardly at all compared to the other Gospels. It's more about, hey, you're in this spiritual place, and how do things open up for you in a different way? Different seasons of life, we need different things. But what it does talk about here is that the disciples were afraid. They were still scared. That resurrection had just happened. Their other buddies, right, the leaders that they knew, the people that they trusted most, Mary and the other Mary and Jesus' mom, there's a lot of Marys back then, they had already talked about seeing Jesus, but they hadn't seen yet, and they were terrified. And why were they terrified? Because their leader was just killed by the state. If your leader was just killed by the state, you would be behind locked doors. These are prison bars, by the way. Yeah, no big deal. Thank you. We're in a CrossFit gym. Use what you have. It's another sermon for another day. But they were afraid. What were some of the things that you said you were afraid of? Illness. Being alone. Missing out. Success, regrets, that the gospel of John gives us this airier understanding of what it means to be human. It's not just about themselves locking themselves in a room 2,000 years ago because they were just terrified of Jewish leaders who might kill them. This is a story for all believers for all of the millennia to come, that for many of us, when we think about loneliness, when we think about what success could cost us, when we are just good Gen Z or millennials, right, who just have some good old-fashioned FOMO, when we experience these angsts within us, we tend to go protect ourselves. We tend to go lock ourselves in some rooms within our hearts because we want a little bit of distance. We want a little bit of safety. That we know that if we were to get outside of these bars, if we were to get outside of these locked doors, that it might cost us something. And are we really ready for that thing? That the Gospel of John is setting us up for the story that we're all on. Sometimes we're just afraid. And when we get afraid, right, we have fight, flight, and sometimes we just freeze. We don't go anywhere because we don't know how to handle the situation that's ahead. 
And so this story is giving us some space to understand that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to name just what is in your life. It's okay to say it out loud in front of a group of other people. And yet the story still brings you back to, but peace be with you. Oh, but peace, FOMO, I get that, but peace be with you. Loneliness, ah, I get that. Every human being has been there, but peace be with you. Illness, for an entire year, 8 billion people on planet Earth lived with anxiety of illness. Peace be with you. The peace can still be found within you. There can still be shalom. There can still be the joining of opposites within your life. I understand that this is what you want to do. You want to protect yourself. You want to guard yourself. You're a human being. You're not the first human being to experience this, but peace be with you. And I love that in the story, Jesus shows up to tell them this. Jesus shows up into the places in our lives where we're guarding ourselves, where we're protecting ourselves, where we're afraid, and we feel like nobody else can come in. And Jesus comes into those rooms, comes into those spaces, and that's where we find healing because we need something beyond ourselves. Because many of us have been depressed. We've been anxious. We never thought that we could have that conversation with our family. We knew that that system was oppressing us. We thought, how can I get out of this place? And we needed something more. And isn't that the story of faith? That even there, behind those locked doors, when you thought nothing could get in, you were surprised and you looked around and God was already there. I know you're terrified in here. I know you're scared. I think you have nowhere to go. I get it. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, even here. And then it shows that Jesus showed them his wounds. And I love this part of the story because we are followers of Jesus, which means this, you will have wounds. We live in a world where we do not want wounds. We work incredibly hard to never experience wounds, and yet all of us have them. And the Jesus story is always trying to bring us back to a place of simply what is. You will have wounds. No one's welcoming them. Nobody's wishing them upon you, but they are wounds that you have. And the story of Jesus and the story of resurrection, when Jesus shows them his wounds, is that we can be people who have wounds, but we can transform our wounds and we don't have to transmit them. That we don't have to be hurt people who hurt people. We can be transformed people who transform people. We can show off our wounds. We can stand on a stage and say, 365 years, 365 years ago, man, you are old. And looking good, may I add, 365 days ago, I thought that my wife might not be here. 365 days ago, we were wondering how we would ever have a child. That the most powerful thing that we do is we share our vulnerability. We don't wish this upon anybody. But we know these are the things that make me who I am. And that Jesus comes into the room and shows these things and shows a path of transformation. That for so many of us, particularly in the progressive world, particularly with what's going on right now, we only want to be angry. And I get it. We should be angry. There are things to be angry about. There are things that we are legitimately afraid of. There are systems that are not working for every human being in our culture. 
But the story of Jesus is name those things. Be honest about those things. Share your wounds, but be transformed by them. Don't create more pain in the world. Heal others as you want to be healed. Peace be with you. Join the opposites together. The Dalai Lama has this beautiful story about one of his followers who was in a Chinese state prison for 30 years. And one of his followers says, the thing that I was worried about every single day was that I would lose my compassion for my captors. They may put me in prison. They may take my life from me, but they never get to take my humanity. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of what we keep coming back to. Those are joining of opposites. That's not an easy thing to say, and it's a way more difficult thing to actually live out. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Shalom, joining of these things together, the wholeness that it would take to actually create that kind of world is incredibly difficult. Ilanya Van Zandt is, there we go. I like that. I like that. She was born in 1953 in the back of a taxi cab. Her mom was a rail car worker. She was an African-American woman who grew up in Brooklyn in the 1950s and 1960s. And all of us know that means it was difficult. That at three years old, her mother dies of breast cancer. And she is adopted by family members with which one of them rapes her as a child for most of her life. And then she takes on the name Ayanla, which means great mother. She realizes that these wounds, these things have happened to her. But she is going to be somebody who transforms the pain of the world and does not transmit it. And isn't it always people like that who've taken on the most pain? The Dalai Lamas, Desmond Tutus, Martin Luther King Jr.'s, Ayanlas. These are the people who've taken on so much it's not fair and they give it back to the world in the, in the form of transformation. And those are the people that we respect. It's the St. Francis's of the world that we have garden statues after, right? Not the popes who are seeking power. It's those people who've transformed their pain that we come back and we look to them because they held the shalom. They held all of the opposites together. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. We see it in these people's lives in a different way. She has this quote that rocked me this week. You can accept or reject the way you are treated by other people, but until you heal the wounds of your past, you will continue to bleed. You can bandage the bleeding with food, with alcohol, with drugs, with work, with cigarettes, with sex, with Netflix, with social media, all kinds of things. But eventually, it will all ooze through and stain your life. You must find the strength to open the wounds. Stick your hands inside, pull out the core of the pain that is holding you in your past, the memories, and make peace with them. That the story and the power of crucifixion and resurrection is that we go through the suffering and not around it and not over it and not past it. And none of us would wish these things on another human being. This is not some form of toxic positivity that says, look at my wounds, how great! No, this is a story of depth, of expansiveness, of peace being within us, which we can say, I never wished upon these things, but now this is the story that I get to say into the world because others need the healing that I've gone through. They need my transformation, just like there was a moment that I needed it from somebody else, and that's what discipleship looks like and means. That's what a faith community has 
for one another. The beauty of the story is that we get both and. It's not either or. You don't have to pick a side. It's not either pick anger or pick joy. I love in the story, it says that after Jesus showed them the wounds, they were filled with great joy. What a weird statement, right? After we saw how our leader was crucified and killed by the Romans and that he was alive again and we saw the wounds that he was hurt by, we were like, that is amazing. What a weird statement. Oh, except peace be with you. Except you're a group of people who live in expansiveness. Except you're a group of people who understand the joining of these opposites. That you're the kind of people that recognize, oh, it's only through our darkest Fridays, it's only through crucifixion that we'd ever experience this kind of resurrection. That you can just be rage against the machine over here. You can just only be angry, but that will not heal the world's pain. It will not heal my pain. That we have to get through this. And we don't say that easily, that we need things like therapy. We need things like prayer. We need just moments where we say to God, I have nothing else left. We need a community of people around us who hold our hands, who carry us, who stand with us when we have no energy left in the world. We need just a little bit of Oprah Winfrey sometimes. We need things like that in our life. We need other people who have gone there who are lights to share the path and the way ahead because it's difficult at times and it's both And I get to name what I'm afraid of. I get to name that I'm fearful. I get to name all the actual things of what is in my life. I get to share my wounds and I can hold joy. And I can hold hope. And I can believe that there's a better way forward, not only for me, but for every single human being. How many of us want to say that over and over and over? I can hold both. I don't have to choose. It's so incredibly difficult, but there is a possibility. I might not see it right now in my life, but there are other people who have gone before me, and they are showing me a better path forward, and that's what we see in Jesus. We can believe that. We can hold that together, that we can pick both and. We can hold both options. And then it says that Jesus came to send them, that Jesus was going to send them out, Jesus was trying to get them to a place where they could name what they were afraid of and they could hold joy that their life was never meant to be behind these bars. Their life was never meant to be locked away, that you can't live there forever, that you have a gift to offer the world. I believe that wholeheartedly about every single human being, that the transformation of Jesus, that Jesus coming into these places in our life is so that we would go out and share the good news of our story with other people, that other people desperately need to hear your story. I know you didn't wish for it. I know that you didn't want it, but they need it, just like you need it. Man, I was in 12-step rooms for 10 years of my life. And I know every single time that I walked into one of those rooms because I didn't want to admit that my life was unmanageable, I would hear somebody share, and I'm just like, God, thank you so much for their sobriety today. Thank you, God, so much for their decision. Thank you so much that they can admit that their life is obsessive and compulsive. God, thank you that I can admit today that I am a sex addict, that my life has been obsessive and compulsive at times, and that I've tried to press abort in my life. Thank you, God, for other people who show up as wounded healers, who expose all of the things that they have going on so that I know that I can make it through this day, so that I can show up for my wife in a different way today, so that I can show up for my children in a different way today. Thank you that they came to this dinky little church in South Pasadena, or I'm not even supposed to say these things, okay, a place that's unknown, where we showed up, 
and that they shared their stories. Thank you, God, that that place was there for me. That we need to be sent. That we need to take our stories out into the world because other people desperately need it as well. And then it says that Jesus breathed on them. That Jesus offered his spirit to them. This was one of those moments where we kind of come back to the Genesis story where God breathes God's spirit into the world. That that word in Genesis, when God breathes God's spirit into the world is the word for ruach in Hebrew. That ruach means breath. It means wind. It means the thing that animates life in this world. That in this story of John at the resurrection, that Jesus is trying to reverse the amnesia of the world. Jesus is trying to remind us of what has always been true. That within each and every one of us has always been the spirit of God. That within each and every one of us, we are already made in the image of God. That within each and every one of us, we are already made in the image of the divine. How powerful is that? And that sometimes we need other people to hold up that mirror and remind us of that truth. And as we become sent ones in this world, we hold up a mirror to others. Because we know that they need to be reminded of who they always were and who they are, who they desperately are, that we're not going to take those things away from people because peace be with you. We want to hold up this mirror so that you can see peace be with you. Shalom is within you. The joining of opposites is within you. Wholeness is within you. God is there. I know it feels like you're locked away in these bars, but what if Jesus is there already? What if God is already present? What if God knows about those things? I know that you're afraid, and you can also have joy. I know it's not all figured out, and there can be hope. What if we get all of those things together? What if that just honors the complexity of what it means to be human? What if that honors maybe exactly where you're at right now? You don't have to have it all figured out. That Jesus meets us in that space. And then I love how the story ends. That Jesus offers them a different way of forgiveness. Ephemi and kriteo is the words in Greek, and they're a little bit more complex. But these ideas are to send something away, to cancel, to release, or to free yourself, or kriteo, to retain, to hold, to keep. Here's what it looks like in the story. This is not Jesus setting up the priesthood that when you forgive somebody now that they are forgiven and dust from magical heavenly beings falls on their head and they are cleansed. That's not what it means. It means this. When you offer somebody forgiveness, you free yourself from that jail cell. You think you're freeing them, you're freeing you. When you don't offer them forgiveness, you retain that in your heart and you are not free. If you want to see healing in the world, it will be about your ability to forgive. I will always pause here. There are real victims in this community. Many of you have been really hurt by real family members, by real people, by real systems. You are still being hurt by those people. I am not speaking against that. You should have boundaries. You should take care of yourself and We trust that God's spirit shows up in a fresh way, that God breathes on us, and that God wants to free us from these locked doors. That you can't control the people that hurt you, but you can give yourself freedom from that. I grew up in an abusive home. I grew up as a kid who was molested. I grew up with addiction. I grew up in five years of trauma therapy with my mom later in life. And I remember coming to that day where we sat down with the therapist, and for the first time in my life, I was 33 years old, my mom looks at me over a Zoom call in front of the therapist and says, I was never there for you. 
I know it. I'm so sorry for that, but I was never there for you. I wasn't there for you as a kid. I tried pawning you off on your father because you were just too much for me and I didn't know how to handle it. I was never your mother when you were younger. And for the first time in my life, I finally heard that I was right and that's all that I wanted in that moment. Felt good to be angry at her. Felt good for her to finally admit the bars that she had put me in. And then I quickly realized, I wanted to be a three-year-old who was loved by his mom. I don't want to have to go through this therapy. I wanted to be somebody who was held and cared for and known and seen. And in that moment, I realized, oh, I can forgive you. I can release that. I don't have to retain that anymore because it's not about you anymore. I'm a, I'm a 36-year-old man who's showing up here now. And I'm going to release you from that pain because I'm going to release myself from I got boundaries. I got a million miles between me and who my mom is. I don't let that person come in my life. There's a lot of real trauma and pain there. But I've released that. I found freedom in that because I got three little kids who don't need that pain to be transmitted into their life. I got three little kids who need me to show up every day as the dad. And I can show up with that or I can show up right here on the side of freedom. I get to make my choice every day. I can choose those wounds and I can choose to continue to be angry or I continue to say, these are the scars. It's real. I don't wish this upon anybody. You know what that means for me? That I get to show up and be dad in a different way that no one ever showed up for me. That's the gift that I get to offer into the world. Peace be with you. There's wholeness lurking within each and every one of us, New Abbey. You are already peacemakers. You are already people who can stand in peace. You are already people who can offer peace, that God is breathing new life within you. Would you allow for freedom? Would you give up all of the things that you're retaining? Would we be people who offer healing in this world? Peace be with you. Would we hold the opposites of this world? Would we offer a better way forward for Jesus? Peace be with you. That peace is within us. And we have peace to offer this world. You're gonna get back in those groups. You're gonna get back on your Zoom calls and we're gonna have this conversation with one another. How can you practice peace this week? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.